happy Monday. Thanks for coming. Again, pull out a Bible. If you find 1 John, if you have your own Bible, just find Revelation, move back a couple books. If you have the Bible in the pews, page 1022, 1022. And at the very bottom of page 1022, we have two things. God gives a two-part mandate, and he gives two tests to know that we remain in his love. So just to review from last week, in case you forgot some of that, let's just read the last two verses of chapter 3. So 1 John 3, 23 and 24. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given to us. A lot of twos there. So first, God gives us a two-part mandate. This is Christianity in a nutshell. And Christianity is one that we believe in his son, Jesus. And, don't stop there, that we love one another, John says. He calls this God's command. And last week I talked about this isn't like a commandment from a Marine Corps drill sergeant. Do this or else. You're not forced to do this. You're not coerced to do this. But it's Jesus' mandate to us. It's what we are to be and do as his people. Believe in his son and respond in love toward one another. And then the last verse are two tests. Now, last week we watched the foreigner video, I want to know what love is. How do I know that I remain in his love? And John tells us there in verse 24. If we keep his commands, this is evidence that I'm connected to God. If you make a tree good, the fruit will be good. If we believe in Jesus, the evidence of that is that we will love one another as he has asked. And then the second part is great. How do I know I remain in his love? Well, he gives me something, so I know that. He gave us the Spirit. That's how I know I remain in his love. And then in your Bible, in the pew, it goes to a new page. But John never really turns a page uh, John Moore just kind of writes in circles, and it seems like he's going around and around and around and around on the same topics, and he doesn't have a nice Western core theology outline that progresses, okay? But more than thinking of John going simply in circles, he's really kind of spiraling up, and just wait till next week, where you just get better stuff as you keep going, and that's how his argument continues. He brought up the Spirit at the end of chapter 3, and then he tells us something about discerning spirits. How do I know if it's the Spirit God gave or not? Well, here's how. Uh, read 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. 1 John 4, 1 to 3. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God.
All right, now we're testing spirits. And the God-given spirit from the end of chapter 3 is known by confessing Jesus Christ. Back in our second week, we were in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. If you say you have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, and that day we talked about that the Greek word for confessing sin doesn't mean to look inside yourself and decide whether you're a really bad, miserable person or not, but the Greek word means to say the same thing back. So it implies that God speaks first, and says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and there is not a righteous person on earth who does what is right and never sins. And to confess is simply to say, okay, you're right, that's me. But he is just echoing back what God first speaks. Fortunately, God not only speaks to us about our sin, God's word speaks to us about Jesus Christ. And so to confess Jesus Christ is simply to acknowledge that what God says about Jesus in his word is true to say the same thing back about Jesus Christ, our Lord. And specifically, John says here that he has come in the flesh, but there's more in Greek, as always. The first week we did John, we talked about perfect tenses. And in Greek, this implies an action that happened in the past whose effects continue to the present. Jesus on the cross uses a great perfect tense, to say that as he dies, it, our salvation, has been finished and stands complete. There's nothing more to add. God's word has been written and continues to stand in force. Here, Jesus has come in the flesh, Merry Christmas, and he still is in the flesh. Happy Easter! That he rose bodily from the grave in the same body that was crucified with the wounds from the nails and the spear is back alive and Jesus has come and still lives. He conquered the grave in the flesh and we will too. That's the spirit that's from God. Unfortunately, out in the world there are also false spirits, false prophets. Well, this is easy. True spirits confess Jesus Christ has come false prophets and spirits don't confess all that scripture says about Jesus. In Romans 10, Paul talks about how we can hear and how faith comes from hearing, but we can also hear and be not persuaded by what we hear. We can contradict and speak against it. Well, those are false prophets who speak against what God says of Christ. They're not from God. They're not confessing Jesus. They are Antichrist. Now many Christians think the Antichrist is this one really big bad boogeyman who will show up right before the judgment in the Great Tribulation and all this kind of stuff. Um, the best response I got from that was a professor who told me we have to use the words the way the Bible uses them. And the only book in the Bible to use the term Antichrist is here in 1 John. And uh, Professor Eschelbach, a few weeks ago, dealt with 1 John chapter 2, verse 19, which says, Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so also now many Antichrists have already come. And here John says that 
Antichrist or the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world in the late first century as John writes this letter. So you're not going to wait for him to show up. That Antichrist spirit has been out and about in the world from when John wrote and unfortunately will be until the return of Christ. Dr. Armstrong talked about John's dualism. There's light and there's darkness. There's pro-Christ, confessing Christ, and there's anti-Christ, not confessing Christ. Nobody's sitting in the aisle. He who is not with me is against me, says Jesus. He who is not for Christ, pro-Christ, is against Christ, is anti-Christ. And that's how John speaks of antichrist. That's how you test spirits. Now John goes on to talk about how we can test people. Are people from God or not? And in verses 4 to 6, here's John's answer. Again, please read with me. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world is... We are from God. So we have people who are of the world. John says they have a spirit of error or wandering from the truth that God speaks. And in their error and wandering off, they do not listen to us. Well, who's the us that he's talking about? I would go back to the very first verses of 1 John, where he says, that which was from the beginning, which we, first person plural, have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That we refers to the apostles, those who were with Jesus, who heard Jesus with their ears, who saw Jesus with their eyes, who touched Jesus with their hands. We have the truth, and the world doesn't want to hear it. And so, those of the world speak and get a hearing from the world. And the world likes what they say. Do what you want. There aren't really good and evil. Make up your morals for yourself. Feel no guilt, no sin, no shame. Make your own truth. Make your own God. The world likes to hear that. Because then I can do what I want to do, and no one can tell me different. But then there are the people of God. Next slide. John says, and I'm working backward from verse 6, that people of God are from God. They are born from God. And they know God. And again, Professor Eschelbach talked about knowing in the Bible as being connected to. This is a faith relationship. They know God. Second, they listen to our words, John says. Well, we can't listen to John. He's long dead and gone. Peter, James, the other apostles. And this is what's so beautiful about John writing this letter. Yes, we can listen to the apostolic words of the New Testament. 
Think of the New Testament. Apostle Matthew. Apostle Peter tells Mark his story. Apostle John writes a gospel. Apostle Paul writes 13 letters. First and second, Apostle Peter. First, second, and third, Apostle John. Yeah, we listen to John. We listen to the words of those who were with Jesus, who wrote down the scriptures of the New Testament. And we actually speak of the apostolic scriptures as our New Testament. So we listen to those apostolic words. You're here this morning listening. How cool is that? That's what people of God do. Third, they conquered and remained victorious over the world. Now, this is a little tough because it sounds like I got to go out there and win the battle. But no, you may have sung yesterday, but now a champion comes to fight whom God himself elected. Ask ye, who is this? Jesus Christ it is of Sabaoth, Lord, and there is none other God. He holds the field victorious. Or as we just sang, he's mighty to save. Why? Jesus conquered the grave. There's the conqueror. And in him, we are overwhelmingly victorious. Because he gives us his spirit. And when the spirit of Jesus is in us, that is stronger than anything in the world because it gives and delivers to us the victory won for us by Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God who gives us that victory. So the people of God have overcome in a great perfect tense. We remain victorious over everything the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh can throw at us because we have that spirit in us from Jesus our Savior. John keeps writing in circles or spirals, and it gets even better next week. So uh, come back, and it's John's uh, best stuff in the rest of chapter 4. I'd like to close with a prayer. That's a song. Uh, when it speaks of uh, melting me, this is like last Thursday we heard about sometimes our hearts are hard, so we need those hearts melted. Uh, this prayer talks about molding me. This isn't what you get on cheese or in your house. This is the picture of the potter and the clay, and we want it to be molded according to the will of God. If you know it, sing with me, and then we will do it a second time as our prayer. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. prayer for every morning, Spirit of the living God. Let's pray. Spirit of the 